You're traveling through another dimension. It is a new dimension of hockey, a new dimension of joy, a new dimension of the full totality of human potential and expression. It is the Edmonton Oilers. And this is Handkerchief Dynasty. I am your secret professor joined by my good friend, the high priest of Oilers magic. I just got one question for you off the hop, high priest. The dark okay. blue, the dark blue jerseys. Do they arouse you physically? Just the sight no. of them. I, it's funny you mentioned that because um, when I was watching the game last night, I did become physically aroused. And I thought, that's strange. Um, must be those jerseys that's arousing me. I mean, I know they're not for everyone. I know there's some detractors, but I think generally speaking, those jerseys rule. I feel like the yeah. team has a, plays well in those jerseys. I feel yeah, like the cool. team the team likes them because almost everyone likes them. Yeah, I think much. the team. I think the team thinks they're cool. That's what yeah. I think. That's what they're I was like, thinking. When, they're like when football jerseys. Yeah, I just think they think they're cool jerseys. They're like they think that um, they take a look around and they see a lot of jerseys that are a lot of things, but not necessarily cool. It's true. And I think they think to themselves, boy, it's, uh, I'm glad I'm cool. I'm glad I look so cool. It's yeah. Like. It's like the next best thing to having red jerseys, basically. Red jerseys should be banned. Like you should not, should not be allowed to have a red jersey. I feel it's an unfair advantage. <laughs> yeah. I and it, they should rectify that fact, quite frankly. Yeah. Should be like, I, like, but like, just like ban the color red, like you're in some kind of crazy banana republic with like a madman <laughs> emperor, you know? Well, it's not crazy though. So completely, I mean, the color red really um, evokes like it's a little much, you know what I mean? It's mm. it gives you an unfair advantage. But then again, like if I was another team, I would be like, uh, I'm changing our jerseys to red. Everything <laughs> will be the same. <laughs> They'll be red well now. Like who's done that? I mean, I guess who are the red teams really? Because there's a lot of red. Like, I mean, obviously there's the red wings and the flames are kind of the second most red, I would say. New you know, Jersey's red. Jersey in there. You got Carolina's Ottawa's in the red. mix. Carolina's in the mix. Uh, like, Washington's in the mix. Pretty soon, like 80% Florida of the teams. Is kind Florida. of a tomato red. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a tomato, tomato juice red. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, almost pretty like 80 percent of the teams pretty soon pretty soon i mean you may as well just like let some teams go out there on pcp if you're letting some teams go out there in red jerseys as far as i'm concerned it's like yeah, totally just horrible disadvantage how did you feel about the yamamoto tip from the berry uh shot that uh, broke things open to make it three two early in the third because there was a pretty like scary time for basically that whole second period was a little yeah. woe is me i was like I was remembering. Really? No, I mean, we, we just, we're not getting no shots. We had nothing going. I know, but it doesn't matter. We also had like two goals and like, obviously we were going to win. Like, I didn't think it was, it was obvious at that point. I thought oh, I was gosh. hoping, we, I was hoping we get a point to be honest. Because so we played obvious. horrible in that second. No, no, no. That's easy to say so now. No, it so? was easy to say then, dude. Mm. It was easy to say then. I was kicking back, having a nice cold drink, just thinking like, it's going to be great. Like, Eventually, uh, they're just gonna like start beating the crap, like the way Jack. You're Michaels a man of faith, saying, my friend. You're a man of faith. That's how this works. The way works. Jack Michaels kept saying he was like, "Don't you think this game has another gear? We haven't quite seen this game's got a little mm. bit more." This is exactly how I was prescient. Saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
also, I mean, I just got to bring it up because I've done some research into the Tyler Benson, Oscar Wilde comparison, and I right. found there's a very strong resemblance. And I'm really yeah. beginning to wonder if he's maybe some kind of like a distant descendant of uh, related to Oscar Wilde in some way, because yeah. that penalty, that goaltender interference penalty, like I cannot remember a more outrageous or egregious yeah. offensive zone penalty, like nothing even else. There's no other penalty that I'll remember, like I'll remember that penalty <laughs> for the rest of my life. Yeah. I'll, I'll never forget that penalty. It was so amazing. It was so outrageous, scandalous, you know? Outrageous. Like it's almost as though he's here yeah, to absolutely. just- Go ahead. What's the type of, I was thinking that like, it's the type of play that um, the nice thing about winning all of these games is that sort of the more kind of, they would be in, a, in another season in another world, they might be viewed as like real negative subtleties to some of the players that we have on the team. Mm. Like Benson is kind of like, it was an outrageous penalty, right? But because we were obviously going to like kick the shit out of Pittsburgh. I wasn't concerned. I was able to appreciate it. I was able to enjoy it. I was able to be like, I hope we keep this guy. What he does up there makes me happy. Well, it's almost like because we were, it was in a winning effort where we were ahead. Yeah. It wasn't as though we were like trying to tie it up or anything. It basically, no. it, it did kind of make you love him in this fucked up way because he did run the goalie. Let's be honest. He basically went in there and uh -huh. ended up rattling that goalie's cage. Sir Tristan <laughs> Jari of the clan of the clan Jari. But like, it was almost as though like it's redefined how I view him as a player where I'm like, I wonder if he'll become like, like a bottom six, like pest. Who's just like, kind I of like a little bit of a half psycho type guy who's got some offensive skill and can play, but like well, really things, is just like this, like wild, wild X factor. The things I've seen him do this season where I've noticed him, it's in that sort of situation. He's getting in someone's face after a whistle. I'll be like, who's that guy? And then it's always Benson or he's like running the goalie like insanely, or he took the penalty, it was like that slashing penalty against the Sharks where the Sharks player went down, was it the Sharks or the Jets, sorry. No, we haven't Jets. played the Sharks, I don't think, have we? That's right, it was the Jets, yeah. no, we haven't played the Sharks. But it was really, he like slashed the Jets player. In front it's of the West Side Story connection, and then confusing the Jets, the Jets and the Sharks. Down, like, Whoa! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a crazy play too. And yeah, maybe he will be that kind of guy. I don't know. I mean, I, I like guys like that. I think they're important. Like every team, well, do I like them? Or I think they're, they can serve a purpose. They can serve a purpose. Guys I'm who just take outrageous offensive zone penalties and do like nothing else pretty much. I mean, he's been, he's played okay 5v5. The thing is, this is yeah. it's his first time in the show. He's no, a young guy like so many other young guys. Obviously, we expect we expect more from him to stick around, but maybe he is a pest. It could be could he become a pest? I'm going to use the p word. Could Benson become a pest? I mean, could he you know make us question the entire like structure of our social mores and our our coquettish you know metropole morals? You know, like fuck, right. man. You know, or is he like is he kind of an accidental pass like i'm not sure what's going on with, with ben right now. you know what i mean <laughs> that penalty was wicked fucking crazy though 
Like I'll never, I'll never remember. Like there's, there'll never be another penalty like that one. That penalty is like never. It's, not, it's like will not be seen again. Do you it's remember like, like how that looked when you were watching it? Like Jari was like <laughs> way, like way out of his net. Like in the like, circles, it's on, like a crime on his scene. Back, on his yeah. back. <laughs> like the homicide division was about to come out and take some photographs. It was just like, dude, like what is happening? Like are we watching a hockey game or is this like? And it was weird too because, like, as he was going into the goalie, he was just like, "Oh, I'm trying to stop from going into the goalie." It's like weird. To yeah, be honest, it, was- it made me it made me wonder if it was just if, if it was just an honest mistake. Like, I'm surprised that shit doesn't happen like all the time with these guys flying around out there. Yeah, I'm not sure. It was an extremely strange play. Well, I'd like to get to the bottom of it. Um, we should get Benson on the show. I think Benson would do the podcast. Benson would do. Would be a good get. And we can ask him if he's a fan of Oscar Wilde. You know, you yeah, I think Oscar he's Wilde. more. You were saying he was uh, a uh, a distant relative. I'm thinking more of sort of an echo through time of Oscar Wilde. You know? Oh, sure, yeah. Obviously, probably heterosexual. Oscar Wilde, famously gay. Yeah. You know, I, well, as far I as I know, I, I mean, knows. Benson. Maybe Benson's bi. If Benson yeah. was bi, then he could definitely be a really good pest. I bet. <laughs> I bet you that would be. To be honest, I really my theory is like the there's the percentages of people that are bisexual right now. Yeah, are like vastly misunderstood. Oh, I would suspect. Absolutely. I would suspect. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, I did ask Zach Lang uh, in the interview following or the segment following this one if the Oilers were so good that it was making him question everything, including his sexuality. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do what you did think? He, say? Uh, he just said, "Well, actually, it's, it's funny you should ask because I was listening to the audio." Uh, later on i was like what did he say what was his answer to that and he said oilers are good is what he said so <laughs> that could be that could be it's, open-ended. it's a kind little open-ended, open-ended. I, I feel like it's more on the affirmative than the negative though if you had yeah, yeah. to if you had to if you had the vote counter there looking at the hanging yeah. chat um right it was it's just yeah I'm working, so we're playing seattle tomorrow the last question i have for you this is just going to be a short one t- tonight and then we'll move into zach's segment later um isn't it just crazy that on top of everything else on top of everything else going well for the oilers right now yeah. they just added a fucking expansion franchise team in seattle for us to fucking just stomp and have a scheduled win against like whenever we're fucking playing i'm sorry like maybe seattle will come out with a big win against us a couple of times this year but we're undefeated in the division we haven't given another team in the division a point yet and we're a quarter of the way into the season and like as far as i'm concerned unless the seattle kraken acquire the services of one fraser crane to become their sports psychologist i, I don't coach. see i head coach i don't see any they need, chance they need the crane brothers to run that franchise <laughs> well if they can get niles sure i mean if you can get niles for sure david niles Hyde Pierce. as i would say is it john mahoney yeah. is the is the yeah. dad yeah he's dead he's dead though did he die? Yeah, he died. What I about would Daphne? Say, Can we get Frasier Daphne in there? Crane, Frasier Crane is the head coach. Definitely. Uh, yeah, Niles maybe is the GM, you think? Assistant GM. Assistant yeah. GM. Yeah, then, then Fraser uh, Crane is the GM slash coach slash yeah. sports psychologist. He just right. does it all. Yeah. What was the name of the producer on the show? That he, he sings the anthem as well. There was a there was a producer on that show called Christopher Lloyd. No, uh, no, no. Uh, not the Christopher Lloyd, of course. No, like on the show, like his on-air producer. Oh, Roz. 
rise, of course, with two yeah. by tongue. She should be the GM. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that'll work. She's the, she was the most level-headed head of the bunch. Yeah, maybe like the director of hockey operations. Like, Frazier is just kind of like a figurehead. And then there was that like asshole who was like the sports host. That Bulldog. Would, Bulldog. And he could be like head fucking uh, head uh, professional. Head scout. No, no, professional scout, not the amateur scout. He's like one of those yeah, shitty professional, professional scouts who's just like <laughs> on like hockey TV and he's like, this guy's good. This guy's good. I'm telling you. I saw yeah, him. Right. I seen him. So last question then before I let you go, High Priest. I mean, I, I think for everyone's well-being, the NHL as an organization should consider just distributing literature in the form of brochures yeah. in all NHL locker rooms. You know, when on the front of it, you pick it up and it says, how to maintain your confidence even though you just had to play the Edmonton Oilers. I agree. You open that brochure up, you know, folded like uh, in three ways, normal brochure fashion. Yeah. What does it say on the inside of that brochure? What do you think should be the content of that brochure? How can we help these players move on from the debilitating, demoralizing, and perhaps even dehumanizing like feeling of, of being expected to go in there and pretend to be able to defend these two players right now and well, this I team think at large? If it was me and I was designing the brochure, I would kind of keep it like kind of cartoony, like Peter Puck style. You know what I mean? Sure. Like kind of a, a real kind of... Um, gregarious sort of like mucho macho tone so as not to make them feel like really bad about themselves like mm. sort of to make them feel like this i'm worried about them you know trying to build their confidence yeah up. so no, the attack yeah. i'm taking is sort of like they're a part of history like so you just <laughs> you just got it fed to you by the others like well they're a hell of a team and it's happened to a lot of other teams like don't feel so bad you know what I mean? Like it would sort of be like you're a part of history. What just happened to you? Right. Like you, they'll be talking about this team for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> they, can just, they can just kind of like kind of very easily compartmentalize that and like put it away somewhere. Like, well, we had to play the Oilers, but that's kind of separate from like everything else that's going on in my pro hockey career right now. Right. That was sort of just like a happenstance where. I happened to cross paths with this juggernaut that I had no chance of. I was outmatched. Like it shouldn't have happened. I shouldn't so have had, like, they should be yeah. they should be playing other teams. Like it's not yeah. they should be in some other league. Like I can't help that I had to play them. Like I know it was shameful, but this brochure really helped me put it all in context. Yeah. With the bigger picture. Yeah. And now I feel kind of like honored to have my ass kicked in by the Edmonton Oilers, you know? See, that's even better than my approach, because I mean, what you're doing there, I think, is something along the lines of, you know, rationalizing it, narrativizing it, compartmentalizing it. And that's actually you're yeah. achieving much more because by the end, you feel good about getting just participate in kind of the ritual <laughs> of it. Whereas yeah. my brochure would just open it up three big, three big, bold words to start. Yeah. Or wait, four words. It's not your fault. OK, Underli underlined and italicized and bold huge yeah. letters just massive okay yeah and then below that to just say look no one expects you to be able to beat these guys you're a professional you right now you just have to go out there we can't think of anything better to do but right. nobody can defend these players yeah you just have to go in there have a good innings you know close your eyes hope for the best yeah and just move on because while you may think people expect you to be able to beat these guys nobody really does and that's okay and it's not your fault but I like your one. Your yours much better. I like mine better too. 
Yeah. I don't, I don't think anybody wants to hear in that situation that it's anybody's fault. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I don't even think they want, like, um, because they could play their best game, the best game they've ever played, right? And I think telling them that it's not their fault would sort of, that's that only muddles things. It's like, well, I know it's not my fault. Like, I never thought it was my fault. Like, I can't possibly play any better than I played. Like, I played the best game of my life, mm. and Connor McDavid made me feel like I was like shitting my pants. Like, I don't know what happened up there. I can, it definitely had nothing to do with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, something's <laughs> going on yeah. with those guys yeah. that's beyond me. So I appreciate you telling me it's not my fault, but you need to understand, like, I, I, I had no party in what was even going on up there. Like, right, right. Yeah. You're just the guy they paid so to, think, like, yeah. show up that day. Yeah, I think... You're like, a, day, you're like a day laborer. They, like, picked you up at Walmart. You're just there, like, putting in some, some lumber or whatever. You don't ask questions. You don't expect anything. It's just the way it works. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean... I can't imagine having to play against uh, a team that and players that could, you know, the entire time, you just be thinking like, my God, this guy could like really embarrass me here. Like, I'm going to have to be really on top of things or this guy could embarrass me in a way that lasts forever. You know what I mean? Like, I never think that at my work, really. Not like, not more than like once or twice a week. But if you're playing Connor McDavid, you're thinking of like, the entire time and probably like the days leading up to it that this guy could just like um, you know turn you into a household name for like sucking i mean just anyway like you say one of the one of the cliches you hear people put out there is like oh and they relish the chance they relish the opportunity to try and shut these guys down no they fucking don't nobody relishes the opportunity to try and shut Connor mcdavid and leon dry and teammates down like nobody nobody enjoys that like maybe yeah, some fucking sickos, but like there's always a couple. But like those people are like deviants that should be just like, you know, like sequestered from society most most likely. Yeah. If right. you enjoy trying to defend Connor McDavid, I mean, like, well, if, if you if you relish it, I mean, yeah, mm. that's what you hear. That's the cliche. Like these guys, like they're just like frothing at the mouth <laughs> to like take on Connor. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you're not as good as he is. You're like not even close. Like, oh, I can't wait to get my mitts all over that guy it's like yeah but you, you don't understand like it's not going to happen you're relishing the wrong thing of all the oh, things yeah, definitely. you could be relishing don't relish this you're not gonna get it well like the last person i taste. believe the last person i would believe that relishes that is the person who like talks about relishing it like that's not relish that's like something else you know it's total fucking mustard. <laughs> that's not, that's, not <laughs> that's what you'd say to the guy. I'm just relishing the chance. Listen, pal. I don't know what that is, but it ain't relish. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, um, any final words for the children out there? I mean, you know, we got uh, a pretty packed schedule for December. I, it's nice for a change. It's very different than previous years looking at the calendar and just like knowing which days there's going to be like a fun fucking game to watch, you know? Well, they're all going to be fun games. I mean, there's yeah. no games coming up that... What, what's our record right now? 15 and 5? 16 and 5? 16 and 5. 
I mean, undefeated we're... against the division, highest win percentage in the league. We yeah, got the top two scorers in the league with 40, 41 and 40 points, respectively. Yeah, there's no games that you should be thinking of. Like, oh, brother, yeah, yeah, like yeah. every other team in the league is thinking that, and they're thinking it in a way that, like, they haven't thought about it uh, regarding anyone in, like, 25, 30 years. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Every, it's, uh, you know, it's like party time every second night. You know what I mean? Yeah, literally, that's what if, December is. Even if, I mean, it's not like Connor and Drysaddle are going to go through some sort of like dry spell. You know what I mean? Like, no, for them, like, like a bad game is they only had one point. That's a bad game for these guys, basically. Yeah. Like, it's just not going to happen. So, even in, I think, like, I, I think we're going to win the majority of our games by a wide margin, 60 plus yeah. games, is I think what I said, 60 plus. Hmm. And even on the games that we don't win, those games are still going to be like fun as hell to watch because either we'll be like, for some reason we're we're super stinky, which is ultimately, if you're a great team, kind of fun to watch once in a while. Well, when when you or, know that they're when the, that they're not likely to go on like huge losing yeah. streaks, like we haven't lost exactly. two in a row. There's been no, yeah. we haven't even had to talk about like. Like we've just been eating steak every single fucking day, practically. <laughs> this whole like pretty much, you know. Yeah. <laughs> eating so much steak that like I, I almost like take steak for granted now, and it's like it's not even steak anymore. You know what I mean? It's just normal. It's like, yeah, it's like steak has become like uh, what do I usually eat? Like English muffins. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's like making toast, just having a nice yeah. juicy steak. Like there's nothing. All I'm eating is steak. There's strike yeah. piling up, like more strike. Like I haven't even finished this last strike. I mean, we're, we're on the we're on the carnivore diet, basically. Strike and eggs, like strike sandwiches for lunch, and then like strike <laughs> for supper. Like there's no yeah, there's no getting around strike. Get yeah. a little peppercorn sauce going. Nothing wrong with that. It's, it's crazy. So I think even the games that they drop are going to be like super fun because there's not going to be that many of them. And Connor and Trisaddle will probably each get like three or four points or something. I thought yeah. like a fake hat trick. Like the games are just incredibly entertaining. Well, it's just there's like a joyousness. Of, there's a joyousness yeah. to the collective experience of it. It's almost like a quasi-religious thing at this point. Like the players Absolutely. are so close and so tightly knit, and the fans are so tightly knit. At the end of every fucking game, when there's a press conference, the Oilers fans are literally hollering, "Let's go Oilers!" in the hallway, yeah, and then it's it's coming up on mics like every single fucking night, practically. And the yeah. players are sitting there laughing, just being like, well, you know, I guess like the, the, the fans fucking love us, you know, I guess this is just the best right now. Meanwhile, there's like two guys who were just like, you know, well, fuck, our defense sucks. It's like, yeah, man. Well, I mean, first of all, we played like every young defenseman we possibly fucking could. Yeah, uh, like we're 16 and five, like pretty sure defense is pretty good. Yeah. Like we sure won a lot of games with our like shitty defense. Who can't play defense ever and suck all the time? Yeah, it's it's amazing. Other teams must wish their defense was as shitty as ours is. Fuck, those guys are shitty. So good. See how shitty these guys are. Guys, fucking rule. They're so shitty. We need to get some shitty guys like that. Yeah, guys aren't shitty enough. And it's like, this is the time of the year where we're usually the worst, you know? Like, November is not traditionally a strong month for no, the Edmonton Oilers. it's when there's the rodeo here. 
So they go on that huge road trip and that's kind of traditionally like the beginning of the wheels fall. It's like the first, the front two wheels fall off and kind of like, (laughs) (laughs) So basically we're fucked, we're fucked by the rodeo, basically. We're, we're basically, yeah, by November and then usually (laughs) going into Christmas, we're, we're kind of like, boy, if we could just hold on till Christmas here, if I could just. How many times have I spent like, <laughs> so many years I've been like, they could just have a good team on Christmas Day. That's what you, you know? say. Then, That's what you I say. Know. Yeah. And then it doesn't happen. And then you're just like, <laughs> and then that's it. Whereas like and right now, like, like uh, there's like, not there's like, like you kind of hope the, the, there's like the all-star break and you start mm. putting, you start projecting like all of your hope into that. Like, <laughs> if we can just like get hot before the all-star break and then the all-star break and then It's so familiar. Point, oh, it's over. But like compared to that, like like compare all that shit year after year after year to just like looking across the uh, sunny horizon, not a cloud in the sky, not a care in the world, no concerns whatsoever for this team's chances of making the playoffs right now. Like, Really, you're thinking like, okay, well, I really hope we can like put the final pieces in place and make a good run here because like we're a quarter of the way into the season and I think it would be crazy to not be thinking about the playoffs right now, basically. Oh my gosh, you know? yeah. Well, and like we'll how we match up against our divisional opponents, our conference opponents. Yeah, totally. And Whether or not we get home ice advantage, like that's what it's about now. Yeah. Because yeah. home ice advantage is going to mean a hell of a lot. It's not if we wind up having to play, I don't know. There's a lot of great teams in the West, really. Like, mm. even if they haven't won a lot of games, like they're playing the hockey in the West. I find is, is pretty damn good. Like, super competitive. There's a lot of really mm. good teams, and it's not going to be easy to win two games in the playoffs from any of those teams, especially not with the Edmonton Oilers. So, I think home ice advantage for the first time in like years. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Also, yeah. like, you know, who knows, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> who knows? But, yeah. Yeah. But it's going to mean something, ostensibly, like, if, it, if we if they get to that point. Mm. So, I think, and I think that's what we're playing for now. And I bet you that's what they're playing for right now as well. Mm. And I think the team already, like, there's no. There were nine and one at home. So, they, they, they know they. I shouldn't they, say that. They know they're good at home, though. Like. And the, yeah. the last change and all that, I mean, fuck, like the long change in the second period last game, like apparently just like made it impossible for us to play hockey for some well, reason. Well, I think it's just really difficult for <coughs> teams to get their shit done in such a wild environment. Like I think mm. like Edmonton's like the loudest building in, in terms of like kind of just like madness. Like there's other loud buildings, but I don't mm. think there's as it's a different sort of noise in Edmonton, right? Like it's, I don't know. I think it's a very difficult place to play. Even in like anywhere, all sports, you know? Mm. I think when that building is full, ugh. So it's very important that we get home ice in the playoffs this year of all years. Totally and agreed. I think we will. I think we're going to be the best team in the league. Like, I don't know. We're just too good. We're too loaded crazy we really are we really are in the core it's it's not as though we got an old aging core like this core is going to be together for a while and a lot of these guys are under contract for a while yeah they're going to want to stick around um final question for you they gave chris russell a belt buckle to commemorate becoming the all-time shot block leader in nhl history 
Should they allow him to just wear like a giant like wrestler style belt just to help facilitate his uh, his penchant for shot blocking? Do you think you want to see players out there with? Uh... I don't understand the connection. Why did he get a belt buckle for blocking shots? I, I really I was gonna I was I was that's really what I wanted to ask you. Like, what's next? You know, what other what other kind of like commemorative items are given out to people for various things? Like. What do you get for being like the all-time leader in shorthanded goals? Do you get like a tra- like a statue of a, someone with a severed limb? No. Maybe like one glove. One glove. Yeah. I was thinking if you have if you become the all-time leader for giving up uh, the first goal on the first shot, it could just yeah. be like a little mini statue of like someone flipping the bird. Doesn't really make any sense, <laughs> except emotionally. Yeah. You kind of got to approach what? it on an emotional what? level, like a like a David Lynch movie. You got to approach it on an emotional level for it to make, yeah, right. make sense. Well, I think like like Russell's like a cowboy, right? So he he will use a belt buckle. But if I was the guy who had the most block shots and they gave me a belt buckle, I'd be like, "What the fuck is this? What's this for?" Yeah, you're more of a medallion type guy. You mean like a giant kind of gaudy, like gold shimmering a medallion. The size of like a dinner plate, you know? Like a metal, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, exactly. All right. Like a jacket? I'd also take a jacket. A jacket is good. Take it the jacket, man. Yeah. Yeah, they should give out it feels like the only thing they give out jackets for is that golf tournament, the Masters, right? Mm, Yeah, the green jacket. Or I guess if you get into the Hall of Fame, they give you a jacket in some sports. I don't know if they do that in the NHL. They should give away more jackets. I mean, they, if you could get committed, they give you a jacket sometimes. You can buy a jacket. I got some ketchup packets here, actually. They're like, seriously, like some of the finest, this is some of the finest ketchups I've like ever tasted. Oh. I'll send you those. I think you'd like that. A packet. Ketchup packets, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, so, I guess. I, yeah, that, that's why I thought of it, I suppose. <laughs> you thought I was saying packet. No, I mean, I've just been really impressed with the quality of this ketchup. You know, oh. some, sometimes like you come across a ketchup and you're like, like you, you like ketchup, right? Yeah, love it. I'll send you this. You'll enjoy it a lot. Well, what's the difference? What kind of ketchup is it? It's the finest ketchup. The fi- only the finest in ketchups. Yeah. Interesting. Let's look forward to that. Um, let's start the wind down procedure. Anything anything you want to give as a little push off, a little send off, little I've said too much. Accoutrement. Yeah, said don't too worry much. about it. Um, okay, I've well. Catch you soon. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Um, I hear the Blues are calling for tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And uh, I will uh, talk to you very, very soon, my friend. Always always a pleasure. Okay. Later.
Welcome to Handkerchief Dynasty. I am your senior professor, joined by our good friend Zach Lang of uh, Oilers Nation Nation Network and Daily Faceoff. I believe that's the first time I can introduce you that way. So glad that you could join us again, Zach. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to hop on with you here. So it's uh, been a little while. So it's good to be back. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, I mean, really, you know, we're we're in the honeymoon phase of the win over the Pittsburgh Penguins last night. I mean, my question to you is, are the Oilers so good that they've made you begin to question everything, including your own sexuality? Um, I mean, I think the Oilers are good. Uh, you know, I was writing about it a little bit today uh, for a piece that I got coming out in the morning, taking a look at, you know, I break down in every Oilers game or the, the Oilers games rather in seven game stretches. And, you know, sure. it's kind of interesting reflecting on the last, you know, seven games here. Um you know, five and two record, obviously you're happy about that. There was some, yeah. some ugly wins in there. There was a few ugly losses as well. Um, you know, and the Oilers are doing it with a ragtag group of defensemen who, uh, you know, can't even get a beer in the United States. So it's kind of well, interesting to see, yeah. you know, the way that this group has kind of gelled together here. I was thinking about that, though, in a little bit. I'm wondering, actually, if, if the, like, I mean, yes, of course, they've had a string of injuries in a row uh, in the defensive core. And yes, they've had to replace those guys with guys that were healthy scratches before and guys that were in the minors. But like, when I think about it, like really there's a lot of organizations out there. If they were, if they were icing, you know, three or four really young defensemen of this age, I mean, it could be a very different situation than having a Bouchard, a Broberg, Um, you know, Broberg's played what six games now. He's a blue chip prospect and he's still learning, but he's, he's a, he's a player. You're pretty sure that there's going to be a player there pretty soon and Bouchard same thing like we, we, we know at this point he's a player you know even a guy like Willie Lagason he's played 40 games or whatever we know he's not he's not just going to be we're not throwing like Sebastian Bazalian to the wolves or whatever so really like the what the, the big name that was just like oh like who knows is Marcus Nibelainen who played about 10 minutes and I thought looked okay you know he kind of got burned on the one goal but he had those nice big five hits and I wonder if like we actually shouldn't be that surprised that the Oilers just didn't fold because we actually have a tiny bit of organizational depth on the defensive core. You know, if we like, we use say, let's like, like say Buffalo in the playoffs in 06 as like a measuring stick. Cause like eventually if you, if, if enough defensemen get injured, eventually you are going to be icing guys that have no business playing in the NHL at all. But I don't even know if even, even amongst those extremely young players, there's one guy who I would say he just doesn't belong in the NHL you know, yet. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been interesting to see the way that group has kind of gelled together. You know, one thing that I think is interesting too, is the fact that all of them have played together, you know, down in the American league, right. So yeah. they, they have some resemblance of um, familiarity with each other. So I think that's one thing that's kind of playing to the other strengths a little bit. And yeah, you know, you talk about the organizational depth. It's impressive to be able to call these guys up throw them into the lineup and not feel, you know, overly concerned about, you know, the way that they're playing or what they're doing out there on the ice. Um, you know, I, I think, mean, yeah. I think it, I think it helps when you have guys like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl up front um, where you can outscore your opponent five, two, if you have to, you know yeah. what I mean? Or, or five, three or five, four, even. And definitely um, helps if, that we had a goaltender put in some more. good performances, you know, like, yeah. Uh, makes a big difference. And you know, it helps having a guy like Chris Russell, who you know has been a healthy scratch more games than not this year, and hasn't played over twenty six or twenty seven minutes in like five years. 
but you know, for a couple of games has shown, you know what, like he's an NHL veteran played great for us in the playoffs. The times he's been here, you know, like he's, he's a gamer. So even just like on that level, like the fact that we have a Chris Russell sitting there, to be honest, like I'm beginning to wonder if Slater Cuckoo's time is running out a little bit with some of the performances that we're seeing just in terms of the overall organizational depth to position, you know, cause Cuckoo is the guy that yeah. was definitely penciled in there in the third pairing. He had that spot pretty much locked down, you know, NHL veteran. They like him. Good guy, good character guy. Um, but the well, situation's more I fluid. Mean, in the same breath, Slater Cuckoo is still a fairly young defenseman by all, all means, right? Um, mm. Just pulling up his stats. He's like 26. Quickly. He's 27 years old. He's only played 178 games in the NHL. Yeah. You know, that's, still, that's still considered a young defenseman, mm. uh, as I use air quotes if, if we're on audio here. You know, it's kind of interesting to see because I, I think you're right in some aspect. Uh, you look at the way guys like, Philip Broberg namely is performed here in a brief time and you say okay well you know we know what the Ken Holland model is right you know the Ken Holland model is like you are going to over percolate until you are a very 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 bitter cup of coffee yeah. um, and yeah. then we're going to throw a little dash of cream in there a little bit of yeah. sugar or just like a tea say, that's okay, had that's hey. been steeping for like 45 minutes it's like dude you can't drink that tea you'll get the most massive headache it's like no I like it that yeah. way yeah over, exactly. over steeped yeah you know, you, you over-ripen your prospects and that's not a bad thing. And I think that's probably what we'll see end up happening with, with mm. guys like, you know, Philip Broberg and, and Stuart Skinner. I mm. mean, that's what my expectation would be to yeah. say the least yeah. is that, you know, once guys like Mike Smith and, and Darnell Nurse and Slater Cuckoo get healthy, that, you know, those guys amongst others return to the American league. Yeah. Uh, in the same breath though, like, you know, you look at the way those guys have performed, um, I think they've done a bang up job and especially a guy like Stuart Skinner. Right. Mm. Um, I thought he's looked tremendous and I, I can almost find in a way to make an argument for him to stay on the NHL roster this year. Um, I think he's been that good for the Oilers uh, so far this year. You know, one name you haven't mentioned that I find it interesting. Cause I think even for me personally, and I think Oilers fans in general kind of have a, it's like they're this, 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 figure is invisible to us still for some reason possibly because the signing was so contentious this summer but you know among our top defensemen out with injury right now is a young man by the name of Cody Cece who I believe is right in that 26 27 years of age wheelhouse and I was looking at it recently I posted on Twitter and said hey you know what like this is exactly the age where Jeff Petrie really started to take off or like right in that area and like when it comes to young defense who there's a lot to learn as an NHL defenseman, you know, like there's, there's a ton of fucking runway upon which you can improve yourself. I think it's one thing you got to love about Darnell Nurse is he's watching fucking video every summer and getting better year after year. But like a guy like Cody Cece, I mean, I know I'm going to be really unpopular for saying this, but there's a chance that that guy could kind of put the final pieces together in his head and, and go on to be a really fucking strong defenseman for us in the top four at age 28, 29, you know, at 3.2. And we miss him right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've, in one sense of the term, always been a fan of Cody CC. You know, you talk about guys that have had it hard in their NHL careers. I don't know yeah. if there's anybody that's had it harder as a defenseman in their career than a guy like Cody CC. You know, he got absolutely thrown to the wolves with the Ottawa Senators, right? Mm. Like, he, he, he stepped into the NHL and was playing too many minutes. Um, you know, so it, it makes it difficult, I think, for a guy like him where – you know, he almost became a victim of the perception bias, so to speak, where everybody was like, oh, wow, Cody Cece, he sucks. Look at him getting burnt all the time. 
well, yeah, Cody CC is playing top pairing minutes on some pretty shitty Ottawa teams. Yeah. Um, that, that weren't very good. You know, he goes to Toronto. He has a bit of a bounce back season. Mm-hmm. He goes to Pittsburgh last year. He continues playing well, you know, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't totally against the signing, probably a little bit too much term, probably a little bit too much money. Um, but in the NHL, I guess that's what you have to do if you want to get a guy that you like. And the Oilers obviously liked him enough to make him a day one signing. Um, I mean, is it too much term? Is it, is, it, is it a little too much term, a little too much money? We're talking three years at 3.25, right? For a top four defenseman on your team. I mean, he's definitely a top four defenseman on this team right now. No question. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think you can always make an argument for any player that there's maybe a little too much money and a little too much term sometimes, yeah, yeah. you know, again, you, you gotta, you gotta pay up. And I fully realize that. And, I don't feel I, like know. I felt that way in the summer, but I really don't feel that way now, you know? Yeah, I no, think, and you, you don't in the season, right? Mm, is that, yeah, but I guess when the season is in progress, you don't even really fucking think about this kind of contracts that much to you. That's you much more summertime thing, isn't it? It is. It's very much a summertime thing. When, when you're trying to sit and look at a bigger picture, and trying to analyze the makeup of an organization, right? You know, in season that kind of goes to the wayside a little bit and and you're able to kind of focus oh. on the player and their their play and what they're doing and all those sorts of things. I, you know, I, I think wanna, a guy like yeah. C, you know, Go I think ahead. a guy like CC is a good defenseman. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I, I like him. I'm I'm happy he's an Edmonton Oiler. Um I, I think he's been pretty much as advertised uh for this team so far. And and I think, you know, he's could he could be doing a lot worse. I think we'll, we can put it that way, right? I mean, it feels like definitely as advertised. It's like buying like a Miata where like people are like, oh, you're buying the shittiest car ever. Fuck that car. And then you're like, well, it's got four wheels and it drives and it's like a car. Right. And then you go and like use it. And because everyone has been talking so much shit on it, just it meeting expectations feels amazing. I mean, Mm -hmm. I at this point, I have no problem with him. Like I've kind of forgotten about Adam Larson already because CC has just a, a wider range of overall skills. He can move the puck pretty well. Um, he defends well, which is really like if, if you can have a guy who can do both those things reasonably well at the NHL level for under four million dollars a year, it's not bad. And like, yeah. it, depending on how some people ascend in the ranks, some of these young blue chip prospects, I mean, CC could easily be be a stalwart like third pairing defenseman for us at some point, which would be amazing. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's that's a good situation that you want to be in, um, being able to have a guy down there playing that. I mean, I think I think CC's probably a little bit more suited for a third pairing role than a top four pairing role. Um, I think if you saw CC playing a little bit less minutes, uh, you'd probably see some better some better numbers and in, in that underlying numbers out of him. Mm. Um, but again, like I said, I think there's there's a lot of things you could be happy with, and that skill set is something um, that's definitely nice to have. You know, I wonder if the team misses some of that bite that Adam Larson brought on the back end. Um, you know, it it almost seems like there's. Uh, and I hate to use this term, a little too much soft play going on in the Oilers' own zone at times. Mm. Um, you, you maybe miss a little bit of the bite that Adam Larson has. And mm. I don't know if they've exactly – if well, I don't think they were able to replace that whatsoever. No, um, no. You know, so that's that's a bit of a difficult thing there. Yeah. Um, but, but all in all, you know, you, you can sit here – like we could sit here for hours and nitpick this team. We really mm. could. Yeah, um, but we're 16 and 5, so why would you? You're 16 and five. You got the best best points percentage in the league coming into, you know, Thursday night's games here. Well, and, and every single game you sit down to watch, you're just, it's so fun. It's so joyous and experienced to watch an Oilers game because well, even, even when it's close, even when it's dramatic, even when you've got a bunch of guys that can't buy beer in America, 
plus like, you know, all these problems up front with like slow starts or bad defense or whatever. I mean, like that Pittsburgh game, you know, at the end of the second period, I was like, well, we really hope we can manage to somehow hold on and get a point out of this. And it went from that to winning like five, two or whatever it ended up being, you know, like yeah, every, like- I've never had this much fun watching Oilers hockey in my life. No question. Yeah. Possibly 06 being the one exception, maybe. Yeah, I think that's the easiest exception. I mean, the 2017 playoffs, that could be an exception as well. That was a pretty amazing run uh, that the team had there. Yeah. But, you know, it was like the the Arizona game last week, right, where it was like it was a tight game all the way. You know, the Oilers weren't really generating a whole lot. And then it seemed like all of a sudden something just clicked. And the Oilers were like, oh, yeah, hey, wait a second. We're actually like one hell of a lot better than these guys are. And then they just turned it on and they just blew Arizona out of the water the rest of the game. It's that they seem to have that flip that they can, that switch rather that they can flip. And it's a little frustrating at times too, because you'd like to see them come out of, come out to games, starting games with that switch already flipped. Yeah, sure. Like, why are we, why are we still coming out so slow in games? Why are we coughing up early leads? Why are we letting these other teams take it to us? Because I, you know, I'll be honest with you, like that first 40 minutes last night put me to sleep. Like that was some, like, yeah, the, like mm. Hyman's goals were great and stuff like that. Oh man. Hyman's goals had me coming out of my chair for sure. Oh, and, but the absolutely. second, the second period, you were just like, woe is me. Life is pain. There's no point in anything. Cause like we played like ass the entire second period. It was oh. like, dude, I don't know. I guess, I guess a long change just completely destroys your entire team somehow. But then they yeah. came out and they were different, completely different fucking team in the third, that Yamo tip. And the Barry play, this is another thing, okay? Like, all these motherfuckers that go on and on about how signing Tyson Barry was a waste because Darnell Nurse can just do this, do better on the power play and you can spend the money elsewhere. It's like, yeah, but then we don't have two defensemen. We don't have, we, we have one defenseman instead of two. Like, I'm perfectly fine with Darnell Nurse being completely focused on playing awesome on the PK and awesome at even strength, which is what he's capable of doing. And then also having Ty- Tyson Barry have the power play locked down forever not play the PK at all. And then in a, in a pinch end up playing in your top pair. Like how many minutes did Tyson Berry have last game? Yeah. He was like right up in that 27 range too. And like, yeah, he, he, he gets burned a little bit more than most guys, but like I, I I'm at the point where every time he makes a good defensive play, I'm like, okay, look, there's that good defensive play. Cause he does, it does fucking happen. I'm sorry. I know people feel like it doesn't exist, but he does break the play up sometimes. Like it's yeah, not but a I, <laughs> it's so. the it's the old argument is like well what's happening more is he giving up more chances is he not breaking up plays more than he is i think and, he's making and, and i think it's the opposite yeah see and i would disagree with that like i mean is that because of the conversations. stats yeah no it's, back it's not it. no it's not because it's not necessarily just because of the stats you, you watch mm. the game and you see a guy that that struggles out there defensively a lot of time. But like, you're telling me um, you don't, you don't feel like you don't notice the good defensive plays he makes. I, I mean, I, I don't, like there was I, a one-on-one where you know, you he breaks say, it up pretty well. Like it's not as though he gets burned every single time he's on the ice. No, for sure. It, that's not true for sure. But it's, it's the gravity as to which those burns occur. Right. Like that's I but think like the puck the moving, but the puck, part, how do you, how do you factor the puck moving in though? Cause like the amount of like amazing puck moving that that guy does at even strength and the power play, but, uh, but also just on even strength, like in terms of like a guy to be breaking out of the zone, like <laughs> how often does Tyson Berry like really fuck that up? Like he's, he's our best. Yeah. That's, mover, that's, you know? that's no, absolutely. I yeah. agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Like he's really, he's really good at moving the puck. No doubt. 
Um, there's definitely things about Tyson Berry's game that I like. Don't get me wrong. Um, there are things that I like about Tyson Berry's game, you know, and I, I, I'm not trying to sit here and just totally take a dump on the guy. Cause that's, I don't think that's constructive whatsoever. Um, but you know, I think it's still almost one of those situations where it's a bit of a wash, right. Between sure. you know, the, the good and the bad. And, and, you know, do you want to be paying $4.5 million for a guy who's kind of just a wash out there? Like, that's that's the part where I think it gets to be a little bit difficult, right? Do you think Tyson because, Berry makes other players around him better, the more so than most of our defensemen? I don't know. I I have a hard time. I have a hard time believing that. Like I think there's I think there's things that he does sometimes that does make players around him better. Um, like relative to our other defensemen in that aspect. No, I but, think there's other. I think there's other defensemen that make the players around them better than Tyson Berry does. Such as Bouchard would probably be the first candidate I would think of. Yeah. Bouchard absolutely is the top candidate for that. I think like I nurse think nurse of- is there for sure. But the thing about nurse is really, he has that super dominant defensive game and he's, he carries the puck. He's not really more, more yeah. as much of a puck distributor. I mean, he jumps into the play as well and he's got offensive acumen. So mm-hmm. in that sense, but I feel as though when Barry's on the ice, the players are going to get the puck in a good spot to be able to do something with it. Like pretty much consistently, you know, like, I don't feel like his offensive game really has the ups and downs that his defensive game has. I feel like it's, it's more consistently there. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think Tyson Berry is more of a steady uh, offensive player than he is a defensive player. Right. I mean, I think, I think this is a, this is a great example of where um, analytics can become very useful for, for somebody analyzing the game because you can literally break down and see, you know, what kind of an impact Tyson Berry has uh, on the players around him. And I'm just pulling up his numbers now to take a quick little look at them. Um, And that's, that's kind of the pros of the analytics too, right? Obviously you have stuff like the eye test and everything like that, that that plays into it as well. But, you know, when you take a look at it, yeah, Tyson Berry makes some of the players around him better. They generate, some of them generate more shot attempts per hour uh, with him than without him. But the problem with Barry is too, is that like he gives up so much in his own zone, right? And I think- Well, but like when we're putting those charts side by side? Yeah, yeah. Like when you are putting those charts side by side, for sure. Like he, he is still a defensive drag on the players that are around him. Sure, he does help with offense and stuff like that. And that's, again, where you kind of come back to things being a wash, right? Because, okay, yes, Tyson Berry does boost the offensive game of the players around him to a certain extent, mm. but there's that drag defensively that becomes such an issue, right? So for yeah. me, when I, when I look at guys that I want to have playing with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, when the two of them are out on the ice, I want defensemen who are going to be steady both ways. Because what we know about Connor and Leon's game is they have that offensive punch where they can take over a game on, or take over shifts rather, uh, yeah. even on a, a micro level. So I want somebody on the back end who's going to be more of a defensive help than an mm. offensive help to those guys, right? So this is where I kind of have the issues with Barry at five on five playing with those high end elite talents. Because I want somebody on the back end who's going to be a little bit more steady in their own zone while still bringing a little bit of that offense. That's where a guy like Evan Bouchard comes into play, right? Because what do we know about Bouchard? Okay, well, he's he's a really good puck mover, right? Sure. 
He has a really he's, good he's, shot. He's struggled a little bit the last like 10 games oh, though, bro. Total. Oh, totally. He's still a young like, player. He's still developing, you know? He to- totally. It's, it's, totally. I, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think one of our young guys is a replacement for Barry right now. And I'm not quite convinced that we could sign uh, a free agent that we liked more than Barry. It's not as though you, you really pick your pick, take your pick of the litter, you know? Like, I kind of feel like if we didn't have Tyson Barry on this team right now, we would uh, even a game like like in a game last night. I think we kind of would have been a little bit fucked, you know. Then we'd be rolling like five fucking young defensemen out there. It's just yeah. one more, you know. I feel like with with like in terms of having the bodies, and 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 the and the money for Barry. I don't feel like. I mean, you know, again, I have forgotten what all the salaries were. By the way, we got to we got we got to start a, a game show where we take all the people on Twitter who complained about the salaries in the summer. And then we take them on like Jeopardy and see if they can remember what the salaries are right now off the top of their head. Be like, how much does Darnell Nurse make? And they'll be like $50 million, I think. (laughs) 5.6 million right now. He's making 9.8 next year. Yeah. But, Um, you know, I think, I think this is part of the thing too, that becomes a real pro for the Oilers when it comes to both the Barry and the CC contracts. mm -hmm. Um, The nicest thing about them is that they have no signing bonuses. Yeah, they're they're not uh, over no move. long term. Yeah, there's no movement clauses. So even if you're sitting here next off season and you're saying, "Oh man, you know Tyson Berry," like, it, and I'm not saying that this is going to be the argument by any means, but I'm just using it as an example. You know what, Tyson Berry, he's really not going to be a fit with his club anymore. At any yeah. point in the next couple of off seasons, they can say, "Okay, well, yeah, Tyson, we're going to try and trade you. We'll be able to trade him. Trade you. Yeah, we've been, we've been would. like he's he's put he's going to be putting up career years every season he plays here with these guys. So for sure. Yeah. And and if but the the point I'm trying the larger point I'm trying to make is is that worst case scenario you're unable to trade these guys. Mm. You have the option of buying them out at a reasonable number. Mm. Neither of the buyouts for either Tyson Berry or Cody CC in any year of their contract are, are none of them are egregious by any means. Right. Mm. So I think that, that becomes yeah. a real pro as well, because I, I also think they're both players whose game could fall off very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. But you like know, I, it, I think, yeah, it's a really good know, point because like, so I think, well, like, yeah, I think teams factor that in now. It reminds me when people are talking about the Marks oh, yeah. contract in Calgary, they were saying, you know what, man, like you can just take the last year of whatever deal and just forget about it because that's, that's something the teams are factoring in, maybe having to just buy them out at that point. So really, we're talking about Tyson Berry for two years at 4.5 and Cody Cece for two years at 3.25, which is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to a certain extent, of course, okay. right? Yeah. So, and that's, and that's where I kind of come into play. Again, I, I say, you know, I don't hate these guys. Like, I, I, I think that's a, a misconception about, mm. like, me and, and how I feel about some of these guys on the back end. Like, I, again, even with a guy like Tyson Berry, I do not hate Tyson Berry. I just, I have a hard time sometimes um, seeing the total value of Tyson Berry at four and a half million dollars. Okay, as well, you know. who's an offensive specialist and mm. a PK specialist. And as somebody who really struggles against, <clears throat> at, at five on five, in, in the way that you kind of want uh, a top pairing defenseman to be, right? Um, okay, well, I'll be glad to hear, he'll be glad to hear that you don't, that you don't dislike him, that you like him. Cause I was talking to him after geography, like after second period, a couple of days ago, oh, and yeah. he was like, man, he feels like he was just worthy. He didn't know why he didn't like him, but I understand. It's all, it all makes a lot more sense now. I mean, I, 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 it's, I feel as though I just want to be aware of, even just in my own life, 
my own like cognitive biases. Like say, for example, you know, I read Roman history with a certain set of expectations. Roman history is going to read a certain way. You know, I'm going to be like, oh, you know, they were great or whatever, or they were bad or whatever. And I feel like if you look at Tyson Berry's like stats and you see that he gives up a lot defensively, and you also see that he helped, he helps makes the, all the players around him better offensively. It's like, how do you actually, it's hard to do a full accounting in reality of totally. those two different things. Like totally. you try and kind of merge it together. So of course the default might be to be like, it's kind of a wash and we kind of don't know. And do you trust what you like? Here's the question. Like there's like having a healthy skepticism of the eye test, but there's also times in life where what you're watching, you pay most attention to things that reinforce what you already think, you know? That's also yep. a thing. Yeah, for so sure. It, it, so it comes down to, it's very subjective at the end of the day. Well, yeah, for sure. And that's why, uh, you know, listening to as many opinions as you can is, is a great thing. And that's, you know, a big reason why after every game, uh, you know, as you see on Twitter, you know, I sit and listen to what, what the players have to say and, and what, what Dave Tippett has to say, right? You know, Tippett's comments last night about the game were pretty interesting. Mm, you know, he kind of got he kind of got asked about, you know, the way the defense was last night. Um, you know, the one question was about or Tippett early on kind of had a comment about, oh yeah, you know, in the first two periods we were kind of batting the puck around quite a bit, yeah, and yeah. especially on the back end. <laughs> yeah. and, and they then were later like, was that on, the young guys? And he was like, Well, yeah, they had their part in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, they had their part in it. But then he also went off to went on to say, but you know, there was two veteran guys who who were you know, battling the puck hard pretty too, or pretty oh, hard sure. too last yeah. night. Yeah. And then even the comments about, you know, the 26, 27 minutes of ice time that one reporter pointed out and you could kind of see Tippett kind of, you know, kind of go, Oh yeah. I mean, if, if Russell and Barry, like he, he more or less said, if Russell and Barry are playing 27 minutes a night, you got a problem. Well, he said right? it's a good thing and a bad thing is what he said. Yeah. It, it's a good they thing. They won the game. Thing, right? You know, they won the game. Yeah. They held, they treaded water, you know, really that's all you're really hoping for. And I feel like really the, uh, that, that game is going to be a huge bonding factor for the team, which is the, another thing I just love to see this year is it really just seems like the guys like each other. They're having a ton of fun playing together. They're a close group. Cause Absolutely. I don't know if I, I don't know if I felt like I was watching a close group of hockey players until now, truly like not on this level. Um, you know, the core have known each other a long time and the yeah. new guys have fit in great. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Tippett's, Tippett's press conferences have been super interesting. I'm also like in general, a little bit perplexed at some of the questions coming from the scrums. Like I wanted to ask you actually about Barry. I don't know if you remember, but a couple of weeks back, I think it was Jim Matheson was like, basically said to him, like, look, everyone says you fucking suck at defense but well, you don't, right? <laughs> like that was basically his question, which was like, yeah. dude, like you can't just, that's, that's a really weird thing to just like come out with. It's like, do you know, this is what everyone always says about you on Twitter. It's like, yeah, he probably fucking knows. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, Jim. That's not a good question. You can do better. Go back to the drawing board. Um, you, you can, you can, we'll, we'll just, uh, I know you only have like about a half hour. So how are you doing for time, brother? uh yeah i've got another five i could do another five ten minutes for sure okay um i mean i feel as though it's just an amazing time to be an oilers fan i'm drinking up like i don't know about you but previous seasons to this even when we were had a decent regular season team the last couple of years you know throughout each fall again it's a difficult time of the year i'd open up the Oilers schedule and i'd look at it and i'd be like well that's a shitty team. I'm, I hope we don't lose to that shitty team because we oftentimes lose to shitty teams and that sucks. 
And then it's like, oh, I think these are winnable. Oh, we're playing a lot of games in a row here. Hopefully we're doing okay. Like, but the mood this year is literally like, when's the next Oilers game? Because that's when I know I'm just going to have a whole bunch of fucking fun, basically, pretty much. Like, even if they lose, like, I don't, I don't even fucking care if they lose at this point once in a while because they're losing like almost never. They haven't lost back to back, which is like not losing back to back for this long is such a wicked, wicked high. Like it's one of the like besides 100% ground up pure Daryl Sutter, it's one of the greatest highs out there. Because you're just like, oh well, we lost tonight, so we'll probably win the next one, and get right back on track. It's okay. Like no losing streaks. We've yeah, had, nice. we usually have losing streaks by now in abundance, in abundance. Oh yeah. I mean, I think, I think any team, any team will be streaky. And I mean, I'm sure there will be a point in time uh, where the Oilers will lose a couple in a row. You know, I don't, I don't think they go an entire 82 season, you know, without losing back-to-back games or yeah. They're um, making me question everything, including my sexuality, man. I don't know. They could no, just go, go, they could go the whole year without losing three in a row. How about? They could. Maybe. They very well could. Like that. Yeah. That could be realistic, right? Yeah. I mean, I think the nicest thing is, is that you can come into every single Oilers game, and you have the expectation that they can win this game. Exactly. Right. Like it doesn't matter who the opponent is. I mean, you look at the Oilers. They've walked into Vegas twice this year and won. Like that's huge. Like that is a oh tough, absolutely tough. I we're I think pretty sure we're undefeated point. in the division, right? Uh, uh, pretty sure. The, I don't think we lost to anyone in our defense. No, no, because we lost to Philly. We lost to, you know, I guess we can just pull it up and find out. Yeah, isn't but, that the beauty of technology? I'm pretty sure we're undefeated in the division, dude. Because, like, yeah, who's going to beat us? Seattle? Okay, so, yeah, we beat everyone. Anaheim, we beat Vegas. We beat Arizona. We beat Vancouver. We beat, pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. undefeated uh-huh. in the division. Exactly. So literally, no, we're, we're more than a quarter into the season, or right about there, just slightly over the quarter pole mark. And we haven't lost to a divisional opponent. We haven't even given them a fucking point, I don't think, in any of those games. Like, that's insane. Like, yeah, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure the foundations of reality have become unhinged, and we're entering, like, a renewed realm of magic. You know, like all those fantasy stories where it's like, oh, the old magics died long ago. And they're never people believe they're never going to come back again, eh? And then it's like, wait a second, what's this guy's name? Connor McDavid? Like, NHL locker rooms should be filled with brochures titled "How to Maintain Your Confidence Even Though You Just Had to Play the Edmonton Oilers." Because, like, even when we play bad, we make people we make teams look silly, you know? I mean, even last night there was a, a clip I saw on Twitter where Connor McDavid he received a pass coming out of his own zone and he had his back to the rest of the ice mm. and he had so he was kind of like just before the the Oilers blue line he had Sidney Crosby right behind him the puck came right to McDavid and he kind of uh, knocked the puck off the half like half, off the boards beside him and moved around Crosby and Crosby was left standing there being like what the yeah. hell just happened Sure. Like it's like it's like little stuff like that that like is so incredible to see from guys like McDavid and Drysaitel. Like Drysaitel's pass, sixty feet across the ice on the backhand, right on McDavid's tape. Like yeah. that's like that's disgusting. Like that's like nobody should be that good where they can like make plays like that because it's unbelievable. You know. So I think any night the Oilers play, you go into that game with 
with with a good level of confidence that you know they're going to be able to pull it out. I mean, like, and we have for the first time. I mean, I heard someone say on I think it was on Reed Wilkins' show. I can't remember who it was, but they were one hundred percent right. They said uh, the Zach Hyman signing is like the signal of like this team like turning into a contender. Because like, yeah, look at this shit. So I mean, as recently as 2018 2019 okay you know we had Connor mcdavid leon Dreisettle, both well over 100 points nuge with 69 points and then you know what like there really was not much to speak of in terms of forward depth beyond that shiason put up 38 points playing on the top line but like you know and like now it's like we have hyman we have pulyarvi who we were patient with and who we you know held on to and have been developing we have Yamamoto. I love that Yamamoto tip yesterday. Like that Yamamoto tip, which basically like signaled the start of like a wicked third period for the team mm-hmm. off of a Barry point shot, I will say. Um, like it, like the, it, it's just, it's just, there's an exuberant joyousness about it somehow. It's like, oh, I, I, I went into this period hoping we could like made somehow by some miracle you know, hold on to a point here. And instead it looks like we're going back to this, back to the show. Like the Oilers are the best TV show on earth right now and potentially for all time. So mark your calendars. Who do we play next? Uh, we play Seattle on Friday. That's right. That's right. Man, Seattle fucking sucks. Eh? <laughs> I, you know, it's right? actually interesting. I, I did an article, I did an article on daily face off about this the other week and, and they've actually been like right on track for like what you would expect for a, NHL expansion franchise up until that point they were like perfectly average with like basically every team that's entered the league since like 1991 when expansion really took off and of course Vegas was the absolute anomaly in that you know Mm. making it to the cup finals in their first season but you know I think Seattle is pretty much right on pace for what you'd expect for them to be at this point in time I, I also think to a large extent, you know, they're a team that's struggling right now uh, because they haven't gotten the goaltender that they've, or the goaltending rather, that they've really needed. Um, I don't think either of, of Chris Drieger or um, Phil Grubauer have been what they wanted them to be when, you know, they came into this season. And, mm. you know, a lot of the numbers, even defensively, were actually pretty good for them. Like, they, they did a good job in shutting things down in their own zone. Mm. Uh, they just couldn't have a save made for them. And I think that's kind of been their biggest thing. So, mm. You know, they're also starting to score a little bit more now, too, oh. uh, which I think is pretty significant as well. So, mm. you know, they're a team that could be on the up and up. Like, I don't think they're going to be like a, a super competitive team by any means. But and, and I do think they'll probably be on the outside looking in. But oh, they're yeah. still going to be a, a, a tough. There's 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 still a tough play nonetheless. All right. Well, I won't talk too much shit. And I love the Seattle Kraken fans all seem like fucking a phenomenal people. I've enjoyed every single interaction with a Kraken fan at this point. I'm so happy that they have a team, but I, I think they kind of suck. I think what they really need is a skilled, you know, properly trained sports psychologist by the name of uh, Fraser Crane. If we can get Kelsey Grammer involved, you know, like right now it's a little bit of, hey, baby, the Blues are calling toss salads and scrambled eggs. And it could be something else. It could be quite stylish. Um, you're, you're a man of many talents. You have a vast array or a vast uh, wealth of knowledge about the league overall. Just in the last 30 seconds here, just tell me um, the biggest like non-Oiler story keeping you up at night and waking you up early in the morning with the crack of dawn. Uh, it's got to be the COVID situation around the league right now. I think mm. there's, there's, there's a reason to be concerned, um, especially when it comes to something like the Olympics that, you know, the players have been, or the NHL players have been projected to go to. Um, you know, you look at what happened with, with both Ottawa and with the New York Islanders, 
they had big outbreaks. They had multiple players testing positive um, and they had to have games canceled. So on top of that, you know, there's, there's some things that are, that are going on in China that I know uh, diplomatically speaking are of concern for countries. Um, you look at the, the tennis player, Shang, uh, I can't remember how to pronounce her name, so I'm not even going to try it, uh, but the female mm. tennis player, there's been some concerns there as well as the COVID situation in China uh, that's creating some concerns too. So how it works over there is the quarantine period is actually three weeks rather than two weeks. Well, I'm pretty uh, sure like COVID is, is not as uh, more under control in China there, but probably because of things like the increased quarantine period, et cetera, like they lock entire cities down. Yeah. They like, don't hesitate to do that. There's no like stuff. anti, there's no anti-mask rallies going on in, uh, in Shenzhen or something. Yeah, it's a bit of a different, uh, it's a bit of a different place to say the least, right? But mm. um, I, I know for a fact that that is starting to turn some players off a little bit, seeing what's been going on with that. Um, yeah. So it's going to be probably the biggest story to monitor here uh, over the next month or two. They should just, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't want the Oilers players going over there right now. I'll be perfectly honest. I'm sure they want to. I mean, fucking McDavid definitely wants to. I'm sure he would go to the moon to play for Team Canada. Um, and they'd, they'd give him like the shittiest spacesuit ever. And he's like, this doesn't even look airtight, boy. Like, okay, yeah, I guess I'll do it for my country. Love that guy. All right, brother. Well, thanks for coming on. Let's do this again real soon. Um, everyone can follow you on Twitter at, at ZJ, uh, Lang. ZJ Lang and check you out at uh, Daily Faceoff where you're doing a ton of stuff and uh, or on all the Nation Network uh, or like five out of the seven Nation Network sites, right? Yeah, pretty much everywhere you can find my writing these days. So Hardest working man. Show biz. Yeah. All right, brother. We'll take care. Thanks so much for taking the time and uh, enjoy the game against uh, Seattle. We'll kick their ass. Yeah, you betcha. Thanks, man.